Hello, this is Dylan God and John Hastings. And sorry to interrupt Dylan God and John Hastings from talking about wrestling. But right now, we need to ask you to rate, subscribe, and review the wrestler review on iTunes. It really helps us out. We do this podcast for free. We have, we've been so lazy, we haven't even set up one of those PayPal things. That we won't a sifter? Fans have yeah, integrity. it's got to be classy. And no money. And no money. Why are you still no wearing that bandana, Sean? But what we do have yeah. is Ooh, uh, a on Let us know that you're out there. Email should us the greatest review greatest at gmail.com. Like a drug. Continue to rear their ugly head. At Wrestler Review on Twitter and Instagram. Entire life and, uh, up until now. now this guy episode is so fucking good. Well. He's trained by fucking Dean Malenko's dad. And Larry Sharp, fucking amazing fucking wrestler. When he, he started, he started wrestling at fourteen, but quit because they wanted him to cut his hair. No, it was the team, but that was the school wrestling team. Was it the school wrestling team? Yeah, that wasn't. Oh, I thought that was a like a pro they wrestling school. They would be like, cut your goddamn hair. <laughs> this is fucking like the I, late eighties, early nineties. That, that was still not surprising. If you're being trained by Dean Malenko's dad, what? I'll just, t- I'll just tug on your hair. Quit quit having long hair and making them faces. Can I just say this because I don't know if we're ever going to do a Dean Malenko episode, but it does still bug the shit out of me that Dean Malenko's Man of a Thousand Holds was not brought into the WWF because fuck was that the best thing ever. Made even better than when Chris Jericho did the Man of a Thousand and Four Holds. <laughs> and, every second, uh, and every second hold was an armbar. Armbar. Yeah, well, here's the other thing. Uh, Sean Waltman's better than those guys. No, he's not. Yeah, oh. he is. Oh, yeah, you're right. He was better. Sean Waltman, just a fucking... Okay, uh, independent circuit, wrestled as the kamikaze kid, da, 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 made his debut match against Luis Bacoli, a.k.a. Rad Radford, um, day after WrestleMania 9, debuting first as the Lightning Kid, then the Kamikaze Kid, then the Cannonball Kid, Earning the moniker the one, two, three kid after he beat Razor Ramon. This is how you get a small guy over quickly and in an interesting way and preserve him in the fucking mid card. It was so fucking well done. Because yeah. it's all it is is you put a big guy like Razor Ramon who was in the last days of his I'm Scarface uh, character mm-hmm. and um, you just had the fucking one, two, three key. Fluke beat him. He freaks the fuck out, and then this—it's basically the the little kid on the schoolyard getting it over on the bully, and being chased by. He then gets challenged to a ten grand match by Razor Ramon, and instead of wrestling the match, steals the bag and runs out of the arena. No, they did wrestle the match a bit, but Razor was winning, and then he got up on him for two seconds. He did the moon salt, which he got for the pin, and then just ran out and took the bag. It's the best. The one, two, three kid has the bag. One, two. Dang. No, and then the other very important thing he did was DiBiase made fun of him for losing, <laughs> yeah. and then he beat DiBiase. So it's like, okay, this is a viable character now. Exactly, fucking correct. And the other thing is, and it was very important because they kind of did the same thing. It's kind of weird, but they did a stronger version of Rey Mysterio in the early 2000s, where watching this as a kid, obviously the person you can most relate to is the ki- is the one two three kid, yeah, because he looks like a child, uh, and they get him. They get him over, uh, and there's a lot of obviously. Sorry, uh, it's a lot of sympathy from the audience because obviously they, they they children, they children, and he's obviously uh, very well because he's like the only worker in the company essentially. 
He was. He was used for... The first fucking cruiserweight guy in American wrestling presented as a regular character, pretty much. And they never really... They're not American wrestling, WWF. And they never really acknowledged him as a cruiserweight, like light heavyweight guy. They would say he was small, but he was really good at kicking, and he was always the underdog. He was good at kicking. They would talk about that. that? Karate. Oh, and his fucking terrible karate poses. Um, But yeah, it was just a fucking great fucking wrestler, member of the clique, and... I don't know, the fucking click are just so weird because there's all of their like weird backstage politicking of any of them. Why they didn't get fucking the one, two, three kid over more is what I don't understand. Because he was their dude. He was their like workhorse guy. Yeah, he was the workhorse. If you wanted to debut on the company, you had to wrestle uh, the one, two, three kid. Yeah, and if you had a good match, you're good. And if yeah. you had a bad match, then there's no helping you because he was like... One of the premier workers. He had some great matches. He has great matches with Brett. People forget Brett Hart, like, for his, it's going to sound silly, but Shawn Michaels has the, or Shawn Michaels, uh, Ric Flair, rather, has the reputation of being like, oh, he could get a good match at anybody. Brett Hart was, Brett Hart would get insane matches out of people that, like, he would barely beat the one, two, three kid on TV. In a time where obviously everyone, if they were the champion, would squash the one, two, three kid. And like, that match, by the way, is so fucking good. It's I watched that in the run up to this episode. It's an amazing sort of way of telling the story of this underdog kid surprising the champion. They have to use different move sets, and like this is also, by the way, in the time of Bret Hart and his four moves of doom. Yeah, and you could see that Bret Hart could fucking go, and Bret Hart could get a good match at anyone. He got a good match with the fucking Davy Boy Smith, who was on crack. He got an amazing match on just smoked crack Davy Boy Smith, and he got a great match out of Diesel. Like basically convinced the company Diesel could work somehow, and when he clearly could. But this is an interesting time in wrestling, and something that's not really done anymore is you had the workhorse guys that basically their way was make everyone look good, mm-hmm. and I think that that's part of the problem with the current product is you don't have someone like a Sean Waltman who, if you have some of the necessary skills, he knows how to put you in a place that can make you look fucking spectacular. I think they do. It's just parody booking was like. Then Waltman would have beat Diesel and lost to Diesel instead of just like straight up losing or straight up winning a bunch of times. Uh, I sort think of about the ten thousand dollar match and how big that was, and that would just be done on Raw and you'd forget about it. And also, he was used in an interesting situation, which was he would get over and then they'd go back on it. He was never ever put in a position for a title. Really, he only ever won the tag team titles for a week with Marty Jannetty uh, against the Quebecers in the run up to uh, the Royal Rumble in ninety three. The ninety four, pardon me. Yeah, the first Royal Rumble I truly remember being vested interest in when Lex Luger and Bret Hart went over the uh, top rope together. Fuck me, how exciting! <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. So uh, he's—you can see early on, and plus he's another guy. He's like the Godfather we reviewed, where he pretty much starts out in the Fed and did. Now, can you help me with a timeline here? Who came first, him or Mikey Whipwreck? As far as, like, this guy looks like a child and he bumps, like, fucking crazy. It would have been him, but Mikey Whipwreck was around the same time. Because Mikey Whipwreck was a ring crew guy in ECW, and ECW, I don't think, was around in 1992. This was, he started in 93. They would have been Eastern Championship Wrestling, but starting to be ECW in 92. No. It's later than that. I'm gonna say it's 94, 95 for Mikey Whipwreck. Okay, cool. So then you basically they do absolutely another wrong. Debuted in 1993. Like a, I'm a bag of shit. What Mikey Whipwreck or uh, the the kid? Mikey Whipwreck uh, debuted in 93. So the kid was around a year beforehand. Okay, cool. 
So they do, they do a version of yeah. Because well, I just want to say uh, he was ninety three. Was uh, one two three kid. So basically around the same time, around the same gimmick. Um, but you can see why the one two three kid was more preferable than Mikey Whipwreck because he was actually a really good like Mikey Whipwreck was it like it had insane bumps. He could re- he could wrestle really well, but just Waltman had this agility and really a look that you'd never seen on WWF television before where he little he legit looked like a fucking child and uh, how old was he here he's 21 right yeah, yeah he's, he's 21 when he comes in but he looked he was one of those 21 year olds this guy looks like he's 14 and he's getting and this is the early 90s WWF where people are like on steroids and Razor Ramon looked like Razor Ramon looked like a, a kid shoplifted from his store and now he's beating the fucking shit out of him well, yeah. and everyone's on the street being like this is a bit too much, buddy. Like, thing is, is Razor, yeah, Razor. This is a time when they were definitely men, they, in that they weren't like jacked up guys. They were just like Scott Hall's body is just like that's a bouncer in a swimsuit. <laughs> and I think that was amazing about putting them together is they also had this sort of angle where then the kid earned Razor Ramon's respect and yeah. became his like his little buddy who'd help him out. Yeah. And then they introduced Savio Vega as just like, and now there's this Latin guy too. <laughs> and check out this Latin guy who is inferred is very scary. Um, and the kid gets his title reign with uh, Marty Jannetty, uh, with Marty Jannetty, and they held the title for a week before losing the Quebecers. And I really think they could have got a lot of a fucking long run out of Jannetty and the one. Yeah, two, three I kid. don't understand why they took the belt off of them or traded them along because they, they could have just been like fucking. Look, they could have been lose, 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 pull it out at the end, yeah. and they both had so much sympathy. Like they're bad. Obviously, they're bad promos, but this is in a time where the tag team champions don't need to come out and do a ten minute long sketch with fucking freddie prince jr yeah trumpet yeah exactly (laughs) yeah take that you know why he doesn't like the new day black people Mm -hmm. doesn't like him um other black people but they really kind of got like a fucking long run out of these guys i don't know why they didn't do it i don't understand either i think that then they made the turn they then eventually did the switch where the kid joined the million dollar corporation um feuded with razor ramon before he then left well, all right. Well, let's talk right? about, but let's talk about more about uh, turning heel and joining the Million Dollar Corporation, where Waltman then shows because in ring he had a lot of charisma. Where he was like, he then shows that he can play, which which he did in WCW, which is like also the shitty guy who gets the last kick in. Yeah, he plays that solo because that's exactly who he is. He's the fucking little lippy bouncer fuckhead. Yeah, but he could never make it work on the mic. He could never uh, make it, it work. I w- he figures it out in WCW, and then when he comes back for the DX run, has it figured out. Him going to WCW, he was the best one. I would debate he did not have it figured out. In w- like, his whole promo style was like, I'm back. It's just like... He had moments when you had to give him something to talk about. He wasn't someone who just could riff and do catchphrases, but it was fucking... His Ric Flair promos, when they do that angle with him and Ric Flair, where their matches were fucking crazy good... Yeah, it's so funny because he just keeps calling him a banana nose and keeps just showing up behind him and shoving him. Like that's the way you do promos. That's why you don't do the promo in the ring. Do the promo by the fucking entry ramp so the guy can come out and fucking attack you. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. But do you remember the match that made Sean Waltman leave the WWF? 
The crybaby match with Razor yeah. Ramon? It was a crybaby. Put a diaper on him. I put suck his dick. It's because they kept calling a Razor Ramon a, prime, uh, a crybaby. Now, he had to lose that match. And, again, part of the click is... If you're listening to this, you know what the click is. Backstage politician group basically controlled the Federation and did all the pills in the world. Now, the biggest drug user of them all, as it turned out, was fucking Sean Waltman, who was in drug rehab like three times before he even left the Fed. Yeah, he had to miss dates because of rehab in the nine. Do you know how hard you have to do drugs to do rehab in the 90s? 90s? Yeah. It's insane. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. This but you is- can tell because sometimes he just starts out... This is when he starts out... Um, when he turns heel and goes to the million dollar. It's really playing in the seas of what would become six, where he's like... He just starts showing up in his one, two, three kid apparel with flannel. Yeah. And he's just... Uh, I just, just want to be comfortable, guys. And he was... Just, yeah, and he keeps being like, I'm the kid. I'm the kid. Oh, it was fucking great. I loved the million dollar corporation. I thought it was a great way of using... A lot of underutilized mid-card guys bunching them together, having Sid be the big bad uh, villain at the end. It was great. Fucking great. Yeah, well, that's how you do a stable. You have levels to it, right? They don't... Oddly enough, the last time they had a stable with really... Le- no, they had... Would have been Evolution. Legacy, though, too. Legacy was like Cody Rose and DiBiase were the tag champs, and then they were like the henchmen to get to Orton. Yeah. But they don't really do levels anymore. Like the bi- the or new day are like just like Biggie's basically the strongest because he's the biggest. But there's not like Biggie doesn't hold a singles well, title. Yeah, no, new day is sort of like a callback to sort of the fabulous Freebirds. It's also like factions changed a little bit, especially in the Attitude Era, where it would become it wasn't four or five guys. It was essentially a tag team that were single matches, guys like DX. Yeah, uh, the original DX was very much like that. NWO had a bunch of splinter factions, like the Wolf Pack, within that and stuff like that. Really, they did. Did you not know about that? No. Did they have a Latin one? They also had the LWO, which, by the way, I've always wanted one of those T-shirts. The Latino World Order. So weird. It's so weird to be like we're gonna compete with NWO and one of the guys is La Parca. <laughs> and they made a big deal because Rey Mysterio refused to take off his LWO shirt. Yeah. Um. So he leaves the Fed. He goes to WCW. He becomes the sixth member of the NWO. This is where they should have fucking ended the NWO membership. This was they were so fucking good. Who was in the NWO at this time? Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, yep. Scott Hall. Okay. Who was the fourth man? Giant, I believe. Okay. Or DiBiase. Giant got switched out pretty quickly. Yeah, but not. it was Giant, DiBiase, then six, I believe. I think the best NWO version, like they would have kept capped it at this. They would have capped it as like, here's the NWO. Hogan, Hall, Nash, six, Conan, Buff. Later, Steiner. Those are the guys who I was like, okay, these guys. Because bef- then they started being like Brian Adams and Scott Norton. Completely. And, all and it's shit. also, if they had taken years to add new members, it would have been. Scott Norton was good. I love Scott Norton. But again, Scott, you don't need Scott Norton if you have the giant. Because originally who it was supposed to be was um, Hogan, Nash, Hall, Davy Boy Smith debuts at Hogwild. Yeah. And costs the giant the belt. Okay. So it would have been those four, then DiBiase, then six was the original plan. Yeah. 
then Shyamalan. But Davy, but Davy Boy Smith still didn't have that like. But cool Davy, no, but Davy Boy Smith could have been a goon because how the plan supposed. And I only know this because I just reread Death of WCW in anticipation of the Goldberg episode we got coming up in a minute. Ooh, two weeks. Um, is that he was going to come in and he would be like portrayed as like the super strong one because they were pretty sure he could do a power slam to the giant and they were going to act like that fucking killed him in the in the Hogan giant match at Road Wild or Hog Wild and that's how uh, Hulk would get the pin. Well, I guess we'll talk about that in a couple weeks, but that is really actually kind of a happy accident that didn't happen because he by him not power slamming it the jackhammer to the giant puts up so much more emphasis on Oldberg. Absolutely. I think if Davy Boy Smith had come, I don't know if Goldberg would have been portrayed in the same way because but also Goldberg is, is different, you know what I mean? But let's not get into that. Let's talk about the kid. Also being there, he also became much more of a mat wrestler. His finishing hold was the buzz kill, which was that weird cross face submission. Cross face chicken wing. This is the other thing is when I watched WCW for the first time cuz TSN picked it up later and I saw basically the one two three kid now a had a beard that's all you need to do to get a new to basically reinvent someone he had a new he had a beard he had a new name with two x's in it which is and a y which for the 90s is fucking money and cool and he had the crossface chicken wing which is a move you associate with insane people so basically i'm like holy shit this guy's a fucking asshole now and the way they would do it is they would sick like during the I remember they beat down Ric Flair and they they beat him down and all the big guys like do their moves to him so like Nash I think hit him with a power bomb or or you know Hall hit him with a razor's edge and then they sick six on him like literally the way they did it was like a dog mm-hmm. and he like he jumps on Flair once Flair is completely dead and then puts the chicken wing on him and the announcers are just like this piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, and it was this this little piece of shit. And it's so weird that they've never done a stable where it's like the inverse of this, where you have three big guys and one like actually super small guy who makes like like let's say the Wyatt family was Rowan Harper, Daniel Bryan. I would say D Ambrose. Okay. Like Wyatt, uh, so Rowan, Harper, Strowman, Dean Ambrose, just so you look at these dudes, and Dean Ambrose is clearly a head or maybe more uh, shorter than these Mm -hmm. dudes, and then at the end, he's the dude, obviously, you want to get all the heat on because you're never going to get these these three big guys to get this one shitty fucking asshole, right? Um, and like, and obviously the name even made sense. Like obviously one, two, three kid adds up to six. So like even just little shit like that. And it's lame as that sounds saying it out loud. It just made a lot of sense. And it played off the fact that this guy doesn't need to do promos. Cause obviously you got like Hogan he, again, he doesn't Paul need to do Nash doing their fucking five minute theater, needless yeah, fucking promo. monologues about like, here is the motivation for my character. And here's the motivation for mine. He also and mine is that I want cocaine in my butt. His he's also had the ability is you put him in the cruiserweight division, and he's not big when he's around other wrestlers, but he's bigger than most of the cruiserweights. Yeah. So he could also be a real threat to them, and he was also grounding them all because they also put over the buzzkill like no one's broken out of it, no one's broken out of it. Ric Flair breaks out of it in their match, and it was like fucking crazy. Yeah, and. Just by virtue of having him around those cruiserweights too, those 
Those are dudes like he's the biggest name in that division. So now he's the big fish in the small pond, you know? Um, had the belt. No one could get the fucking belt off him forever until I think Chris Jericho like cheated to win to get it. Well, the other thing is he comes in, steals Eddie Guerrero, uh, Eddie's uh, U.S. Uh, championship belt, uh, loses the ladder match to Eddie. Um, then he pins uh, Guerrero for the cruiserweight title. This is around the time. Uh, this is they do. Uh, they do the Flair feud. Yes, um, and then they feud with the Horsemen off of that. But this is when Nash has that like fake knee injury. Yeah, and they do Wolfpack rules, which leads to Hall and Nash win the titles. But Nash uh, subs out and is in the wheelchair. So it's uh, Waltman and Hall are the actual tag champs, which led to like those are the two best workers of those three. And then you have Nash doing the who's the best probably performer out of the yeah, three he's the best promo guy out of the three but i would say perform like of facials and stuff in the ring and just being a fucking asshole like kevin nash was great like they the one match i think they have a match against harlem heat where nash gets out of the where he's like oh i'm injured i'm injured gets out of the chair comes in uh comes in blasts like booker t with the t- with the title and then gets back in the chair before the referee Knows what's happened, and uh, Waltman gets the pin because Waltman was the one who would get all those pins, like the directly off a weapon shot type thing. Adding to the fact that, and he did with a beard look like a fucking rat. Yeah, so he's it's a just scumbag. like scumbag. He's a little ratty scumbag, and it was such good booking. But it also put him over in a different way, which was it showed different dimensions of what he could do as a wrestler, and it also. At this time, it was also the way of like you're one type of character that evolves. You'd go to a different company that evolves. He then gets put into a political sort of. He's part of fucking political poker over contract negotiations with Hall and Nash, and Eric Bischoff just fires him. Yeah, to show I don't give no shit. He gives no fuck. Is this the best part of his career though? Where he goes into DX or when? No, where he goes in the NWO. He was the best. That's the best he's ever been as a wrestler. Yeah, we'll talk about DX after the break. But the best is be, he's been after as a wrestler was uh, the NWO. Yes, but I think it's also because I think it was the coolest. But he it's ever also was. he was the coolest he ever was, and also the opponents you could put him with in that time. You you put that character against Roddy Piper or that character against Ric Flair. It's immediately interesting because it's this grubby grunge guy against a man in a fucking polo sweater. <laughs> but it was also very clear that he was the new ver- like he was the new type of wrestling for. For better or worse, like not that he was as good a promo as Piper or as good a promo as Flair, but he was just a new type of wrestling. He looked new. Um, at this point, by the way, he's fucking twenty four. Like by the time he's done in WCW, he's twenty six years old. And it's and he looks so bad. <laughs> well, he has to age himself. You can't. You know what I mean? Like for. People to take you seriously, and like a lot of uh, shemedians do this as well. Uh, Dylan Gott, the one, two, three kid of comedy, does this as well because I do meth in the bathrooms. You do love injecting yourself with meth to the point you're inject. How do you inject yourself with meth? We'll get to that part of his career after the break. We'll cover DX, and much like our fabulous Moolah last week, we'll then get to the darkness at the end. Ooh, but he didn't r dizzle anybody, or did he? After the break, um, <laughs> this is some good teasing. R dizzle? Yeah, r dizzle. Um, I think this is the best part of his career, but it's not just because of him. It's also because of who you could put him with. And yeah, because this is the first time where it's like the other thing is Bret Hart is a great wrestler, but he's not thirty pounds lighter. No, you know what I mean. He's not a two hundred. He's not like a normal six foot, two hundred pound man, which is what he ends up. He ends up wrestling fucking like prime Eddie Guerrero, prime Rey Mysterio, 
um, Super Calo. They were building towards him and the Chris Jericho thing that ended. A man in a funny face with a funny face and a hat mask. L.A. Park, yes, of course. L.A. Park, ooh, that, that's who La Parka became after a contractual problem because for some reason WCW owned the name L.A. Uh, La Parka. For- Doi, Doi, I know that Doi. I'll say this, La Parka. I have a question. La Parka comes out on Raw. How big is that pop? I think it'll be. I think it would be surprisingly. I big. think it'd be fucking. If Laparka, they were like, we're going to debut Laparka at the Raw after WrestleMania, new fans would be like, who is this man? Because he hits that guy with that chair and does the little weird robot with yeah. the knee thing. He's your new world champ. The chairman of WCW? <laughs> That's what they called him. He was so good. Again, I love WCW. I'm like When WCW was good, it was so good because it was at so many actual good wrestlers. Which is, you can't, until now, you couldn't really ever say that about the Fed. The Fed would always have about five workhorse amazing wrestlers, and then a lot of guys that were like, just do your fucking move. Had WCW basically become what they should have, which, and this is going to sound weird, but it was almost like in the West Texas Rednecks feud, they should have become what this, my thought is, is they should have become... A actual southern wrestling company where the main conflict in the southern United States... I don't, I don't live there. Uh, I've only been there for vacations. But the main conflict from an outsider seems to be white southern people against Mexican southern people and Spanish southern people. And they could have built their whole fucking company that way and just had Eddie Guerrero versus Bill Goldberg until the end of goddamn time. Because that's the other thing. Is if they because pr- they invested heavily in Mexican wrestling. And if they would have just taken that shit seriously and maybe like signed some like they w- they obviously wanted to have the heavyweights be better than the cruiser wage which is fine like that's that's what that is but if they would have just invested and had like you know gu- like cruiserweight title guerrero versus waltman and then world heavyweight title goldberg versus i don't know judas macias who's now a wrestler <laughs> but, but you know what i mean the other thing is that they also the thing with wcw at the time is they were also smart and they couldn't always use hogan because he was very expensive so they were smart in how they built other people to carry a main event on a pay-per-view. Yeah. In that they built Macho Man and Diamond Dallas Page up as a few. They'd never talk about this as a feud, but I remember being so fucking crazy. Yeah, Macho Man against... Well, because DDP asks, acts like he's joined the NWO and then Diamond Cutter's Macho Man goes in the crowd. Yeah. and the- CM Punk style. And then Macho Man reveals that Kimberly is his wife and had posed in Playboy. Um on an uncensored so they're not even a match they just do it basically a tv angle on uncensored and will your wife post in playboy and i'm gay and basically just fight for two minutes and then there's two pay-per-views where they don't do anything just are attacking each other and then it also leads to and they do the smart thing of ddp gets the win and macho man can unvalidly claim he cheated he's just like no he cheated somehow but what's unvalidly mean there's no validity to what he's saying but is unvalidly a word? No. It's not? No. Probably not. <laughs> you don't say words good. <laughs> Fuck you. Do you know what? After the break, let's deal with the X Factor. Pausing. Hello, this is Dylan God and John Hastings. And sorry to interrupt Dylan God and John Hastings from talking about wrestling. But right now, we need to ask you to rate, subscribe, and review. The Wrestler Review on iTunes. It really helps us out. We do this podcast for free. We have, we've been so lazy we haven't even set up one of those PayPal things. 
not only that, we won't set up PayPal things because wrestling fans have integrity Most and no money. And no money. No fucking mm-hmm. money. But what we do have is uh, existence on this plane. So please let us know that you're out there. Email us at wrestlerreview at gmail.com. Like us on Twitter, the Wrestler Review. Follow us on Instagram. At Wrestler Review on Twitter and Instagram. And um, now back to an episode that's going incredibly well. It's back! Tell me what to do. Yeah. Xbox debuts. This is how you fucking keep a fucking faction going when the leader has retired because of back injuries and wanting to do cocaine while hunting. You get Xbox. Fired by Eric Bischoff for political reasons in an attempt to control Scott Hall and Kevin Nash debuts on Monday Night Raw the day after WrestleMania fucking 14. And I remember this being fucking Joel Kennedy told me what he was like. You gotta watch because it would repeat on Joel who Kennedy Kennedy (laughs) would repeat on Tuesday nights, uh, Tuesday afternoons after school on TSN in Canada, and he was like, "One, two, three, kid is back in the Fed." And you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" X Pac and to tell me what to do, yeah, and basically just cuts a promo saying that. And Harry Bishop, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall would be here right next to me, but they are held in a contract. And apparently that was true, is that they were ready to jump. And Vince was like, perfect. Come on back. Fuck, that would have been horrible, though. Awful. If Nash was like, let me hear what going to But Nash and Hall couldn't motherfuck. They couldn't have motherfucked Vince the way they did in the yeah. mid-90s at that point because, like, they, we don't fucking need you. We don't fucking need you at all. And they tried when they came back for WrestleMania 18, and apparently The Rock was just like, I'll work with Hogan, but I'm not to be speaking to either one of these guys. And that they still have problems where he was, they're like, yeah, he's a bit rude and they, because, you know, like we'd want to have certain things done in certain angles, and he would try and like showboat, and uh, we didn't like that. Who said that? Uh, Nash and Hall both were like, The Rock was an asshole to us and like made it clear that like fuck you we beat you so you go stand over there oh wow which i'm like yeah good for him well because the reputation really did precede them and by this time like nash and hall are broken men like they're broken scott hall of his own volition kevin nash's body yeah like scott hall is well in the cycle of addiction and kevin nash like i've said this on the podcast before multiple times if you hire Kevin Nash to do, like, he'll do stand-up comedy, or he'll do, like, basically, like, an evening with Kevin Nash, where mm-hmm. you just, he tells stories, and then you ask him questions, um, he can't stand. Like, he, because he was going to do stand-up comedy, but then he realized stand-up is in the first, and he cannot stand. So he sits. Yeah, like, for when he was doing stand-up, he would do it for 10 minutes, he would be able to stand, and then he would have to sit for 50 minutes. So that's why they were like, he was like, okay, I'll just change it to, like, road stories. Because he can't, like, his knees are that fucking shit that he, like, my my Nana had, like, a fake hip and, like, no knee, but she would she goddamn stand up to make fucking dinner. She wasn't sitting. Kevin, <laughs> that is your real name? It Kevin is. Aubrey Nash. So, basically, and that was the thing. People forget how fucking huge it was to have someone jump from show to show. And like, also, you just don't get that now. More importantly, it's kind of a shitty thing. It was really huge for some. Everyone was jumping to WCW. 
he was the first guy who was like, yo, maybe this swearing's working. Yeah, and he jumped back, and fuck me, was it good. They also, again, built it really good, which is throughout the episode, New DX basically was created, because at the end, then they helped... Yeah, the, the New, New Age, Age Outlaws, Outlaws, yeah. And that was... It was just... A really good dynamic, but again, a perfect way of building a faction where Triple H is clearly the leader, clearly built as like the man of the future, the workhorse wrestler. Wasn't this the because then they do a cage beatdown? They did a cage beatdown with, but it was so weird because like X Pac was like it's kind of weird, but they could have just done them as baby faces, really. Because but the thing was is they and they became baby faces really fast because the crowd got behind them, but at the time in their heads dx were the heels like dx was a heel against austin they were the bad guys that like we're going to try and fuck stone cold out of the championship and stuff like that And i think that they were building towards that but it was also one of those things where this is before triple h got a lot of political clout triple h was not really considered that a main event contender for a long time it took the feud with the rock being just amazing matches and then it took mick foley being like allow me to make this man yeah and that's what got him over as a champion. He was considered a lame duck champion, and he only had the belt because the big show didn't work, and they needed to wait until Austin can get recovered so they could put the belt back on him. Really? And what was The Rock doing? Was he doing the Scorpion King or some it shit? Was the Rock doing Scorpion King, and they also needed to cool The Rock off because The Rock was had been like on again, off again, holding the title. And also, Pat Patterson really liked The Rock. And you can see Pat Patterson, if he likes you, really protects you in the way that Bret Hart was always protected by Pat and always got the belt back. Always, the that, like, very rarely did someone break out of the sharpshooter shit like that. In that, like, one of the reasons why Kevin Nash left to go to WCW is that um, uh, Bret Hart refused to take the powerbomb. Really? Yeah. He's like, if I take the powerbomb then it doesn't make and it's actually a really legitimate thing is it then it looks like you've beaten me i'm not a viable champion then i'm just someone who someone else interfered to win the match you've got to you can't have hit me with your final move because it'll take me five minutes to recover to get out of like his logic for it was actually really really smart which is a really interesting thing when you think about wrestling he's going no that's your final move i don't get up for 20 i don't get up for two minutes after that because you have to be able to pin me one two three and take the belt so if i get and he, and kevin nash was like fuck you just take the finisher it'll look better for me and he was like no and because of that kevin nash then decided to go to wcw where he could make everyone take his fucking move <laughs> where he could powerbomb every latino yeah he could just powerbomb the giant onto his fucking head so uh xbox comes in he's super hot what do you do what do you do with a guy who's super hot I think you put him in a match with D'Lo Brown a bunch. Mm, but first, Jeff Jarrett in a hair versus hair match. Oh, yes. At fully low or at SummerSlam for the Intercontinental title. SummerSlam for the Intercontinental no, title. No, that wasn't for the Intercontinental title because that match, the Intercontinental title. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was not for the Intercontinental title. He wins the European Championship from D'Lo Brown. Yeah, it was European Championship. And people forget about This was during the feud with DX and the, the nation. nation, though. So it all makes sense. And this is during that fucking uh, segment where, that's right, your boy Sean Waltman does fucking blackface yeah. as Ms. Ark Henry. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm full of sandwiches. And all of DX does blackface. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Road Dog and Billy Gunn did not do blackface. Just uh, Triple H and, the, and, uh, and Sean Waltman. 
And it's also I'm looking this up right please now. Please do. It was also when Owen Hart had briefly joined the nation. Um and uh, they had a guy named Jason Sensation just be Owen Hart and that's where the nugget oh, came. Oh, I've done comedy with Jason Sensation. Have you really? Yep. Who the fuck is Jason Sensation? He was a dude who uh had uh a real good You're right. Wow. No, the only ones the only one that does um full blackface is Sean Waltman. <laughs> I don't know what this means, blackface. No, eight, no, uh, two of them do blackface. No, three of them do blackface. May I tell you who they are? I'm going to guess Triple H, Road Dog, Sean Waltman. Road Dog, Billy Gunn, Sean Waltman. Sean Waltman does full fucking blackface. <laughs> no, but The Rock, like Triple H as The Billy Rock. Gunn just kind of looks like The Godfather, I got to be honest. No, but The Rock is like he's tanned. Like Triple H is overly tanned. Yeah, he put a bunch of self-tanner. So did uh, Road Dog, but no, that- <laughs> fucking Waltman went for it. <laughs> Waltman went for it. You know, you could, you don't have to do that. No, I will. He didn't actually do, because he didn't do the lips. No, he did the lips, too. But Jesus this is also the be- this is the beginning of all this. Well, again, but the parody thing wasn't started by them. It was started by Kevin Nash parodying yeah, it was, the no, Arn. No, it for sure. It's the fucking... Uh, the Arn Anderson goodbye yeah. speech. Which, by the way, it's amazing that they got in so much shit for that, even though apparently like Arn Anderson had to sit next to Kevin Nash in the makeup chair so they could get the baldness just right. Are you serious? And the, yeah, yeah. And because he, he talks about it on a shoot interview where he's like, yeah, the reason why they got really angry at that is that Ric Flair and Arn Anderson called home to their wives and they were like, they made you look like drunken fools. And... Kevin Nash's great point, which makes it really sound home that he wasn't lying about this. You're like, yeah, I can understand they're being upset, but I did ask Arn to borrow his cooler. So the cooler I'm taking to the ring is Arn Anderson's cooler that was filled with beers. (laughs) And then afterwards, when he got upset was he came up to me in the hotel bar holding five beers to take up to his room because he was going to bed and said he didn't like what was said. And he's like, you can't. Yeah. All right. Maybe I shouldn't have done it. You are a drunk, though. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, we I have heard stories from people saying that Arn Anderson just like drinks Jack Daniels out of a Yahtzee cup backstage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Him and Dean Malenko just having a good time at, with their coffee cups. You but know? again, Arn Anderson, quietly one of the best wrestlers of all time. Yeah, a lot like X-Pac. That's not true. Yeah, uh, they are similar. Where they're the work. They're th- if you're putting together a faction, you need the X Pac or the Arn Anderson role, which is just a down the middle, really good mid card performer, but uh, not even comparable with promo. No, D- Arn Anderson is probably one of the best promos of the '80s and in the top twenty of best promos of all time. Yeah, exactly. Whereas uh, X Pac is good at shouting. Um, is very good at shouting. All right, so he wins. So he loses. Uh, he loses the European title too. Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon. Sets up YOLO, YOLO, sets YOLO. Up WrestleMania 15, debut of the Meet Street Posse. That's when Triple H changes, joins the uh, the um, corporation. Oh. And uh, no chance. Uh, no, that's. What's he at? Is you on you? One still. The one. I don't know what he says, and I never will. Uh, no, I think he says, What's that? It's on. What's he at? It's on. Give me some of that Triple H. I wish he came out to that song just once. 
not gonna listen to anybody. Tell me who I want to be. I fucking hate. I I hate Triple H, but I hate that you're a Triple H the most. Just leather jacket. Like, what do you think about that, Dad? Oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> so Xbox, they have a brief uh, kind of DX dalliance without Triple H, but then, oh baby, check out what happens. He starts scheming with Kane in the first ever Kane with a short guy thing. That they would then just keep on fucking doing. No, you have skipped so fucking much. Okay. You've skipped. Okay, so now Triple H is in the corporation. DX breaks up. DX does this great angle where it's China and Billy Gunn versus Road Dog and X-Pac over the financial rights to the DX merchandise. Mm-hmm. They sort of break up and they all just sort of squander and separate. Okay. At this point, this is when then X-Pac and Kane start teaming together in a... Uh, and also at the same time, it's also when Tori enters into the picture, and it's implying that Kane's not sure if he can have sex because his dick might have been burned. Yeah, his dick's burned up, <laughs> which is something that Jerry Lawler basically says a bunch of like, times. He can't fuck because his dick's d- d- not a dick. That's basically what they're like concerned about. But then him and Tori do have sex. Him and Kane are tag team champs. Kane. Uh, also, if you weren't alive during this era, not on camera. They just were like, they fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they didn't fuck on camera. It's just Jerry Lawler said they fucked on camera. Xbox, Xbox then um, goes into DX, but is like, I'm still teaming with you, Kane. And Kane, of course, is like, I believe you. Betrays him. And then Kane loses a match where the stipulation is Tori has to spend Christmas with Xbox. Yeah. And Xbox fucks her. Because that's how wrestling works. I challenge you to a match for that woman. <laughs> oh, well, now the woman has to be with me. Now, this is when, apparently, this is, and to quote Sean Waltman, when he started using drugs a lot. Keep in mind, he's been into rehab already so many times. Yeah, this is when he uh, started the old <laughs> drug train um, even more. Uh, so, basically, he, feuds, he feuded with uh, Road Dog and Chris Jericho in 2000. This is important. Because this is when Jericho goes to the Fed and gets this fucking reputation that he can't work because he actually hurt X-Pac with that triple powerbomb. Because X-Pac was his first... Match, yeah. Yeah, his first match. Uh, his first bunch of matches in the Fed. And that's what they did because they were like, all right, this guy can work. We'll fucking stick him with Xbox. This will be great matches. And then it's kind of okay. You gain a really new appreciation for how good this dude was, though. Oh, my God. He was amazing. Race. I will say in the defense of Chris Jericho, pardon me while I'm yawning, um, in the defense of Chris Jericho, part of the problem also might have been like, yeah, you got injured in a match with Xbox, but that also probably is because he was injecting like phenobarbitals into his asshole before the match. Like, it kind of sounds weird, but isn't it impressive that this guy did this while well, on a cocktail of drugs? And that's the most amazing thing. Is like, and the other thing is, he doesn't drink. What? Yeah, Xbox didn't really drink. We'll talk about this later in the episode, but he doesn't really drink. He doesn't even start drinking until like we need to start talking about in it in the now, last six or seven years. Because we only have a we have maybe twenty minutes left, so let's talk. Wait, he doesn't drink. All right, well, let's skipping ahead. But basically, they he smokes a lot of weed that he always has. He's always smoked a lot of weed. Um, the weed is like I did math, whatever, but I still all smoke weed because weed evens me out. Blah blah blah. Which I mean, marijuana, fine, go for it. Um. But then they had an. But he went to Mexico for a tour in like 2010, and then I they had a anti marijuana and pro cocaine locker room, 
So he was like, I'm not doing coke. I can't do that. So he just started drinking again. And then it led to, of course, him him and his girlfriend at the time got in an argument. And she started breaking pictures of his kids. And then he <laughs> punched her. And uh, oh and I think the official quote on it, he punched her. Like, he's like, I didn't, I, I would never hit a woman. But then he brags about how hard he punched her. <laughs> like, he's like, fucking knocked her clean across the room, though. Okay, so it's basically... Triple H wins the title, and as soon as that happens, that's first of all the beginning of the end of his relationship with China, the beginning of X Pac taking all the drugs, and the beginning of one night in China, and the beginning of him fucking China while also in the. Have X- you seen that? Have you seen that? Uh, tape? I haven't watched the entire thing, but I have seen enough of it. You've seen my friend uh, Jason and I watched <laughs> that, and he had the best quote of my life, where he point he stood up because I showed it to him. Uh, my friend Tim showed it to him out of nowhere, and he stood up out of his chair. And Jason <laughs> pointed at the screen and said, "That's the one, two, three kids' penis." <laughs> <laughs> and her clit just dragging on that shit, just dragging <laughs> on that shit, so just dragging, dragging on that shit. But it's like one of those things where it's like you had a lot of money. Like he, by his own admission, he's like, "I'm." Not wealthy, but I have like some fuck you money. Yeah, and he did say I lost money in the two thousand and eight crash, but he did this film. Yeah, well before that. But he just uh, he wanted to fuck somebody. But it just it's so weird because this is also the meth years when him and Joni Lawler, lawyer Lauer, Joni Lauer are just doing. Fuck, that's terrifying. This is when she appears on the Howard Stern show and claims that uh, she used to peg Triple H all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because, again, so he then... Who was the fucking... What was the... Have you heard the Stone Cold Steve Austin interview with... uh, Sean Waldman? Yeah. I think there's more than one. What happened? No, just one of the quotes is... uh, uh, How is... Stone Cold goes, how is math? And Waldman goes... It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the best. <laughs> like, the thing with it is he was injecting meth. He was living with Steve Blackman in L.A. Steve Blackman went to go do... Because uh, Steve Blackman, like, apparently consults on UFC fight camps. That's one of the things he does. No, he actually... He's, like, training fighters now. I didn't... It, Here's crazy things. Steve hit, Blackman, more well-respected in the mixed martial arts community than Ken Shamrock right now. Figure that one out. I'm not surprised. In the same way that Dan the Beast Severin... Like is well, Dan the Beast Severin also says crazy shit. Like the only reason I didn't beat that man is because I didn't want to kill him, and then I realized sometimes you have to kill people. Yeah, but Dan the Beast Severin was also doing UFC full time while wrestling in the Fed. Yeah, like that Perfect. man's a freak. Yeah, because but, but back back then it was like this fitness trainer thinks he can beat you up, Dan. <laughs> it's like all right, we'll <laughs> beat him up very badly then. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Let me just comb my must. You're dead. <laughs> All right. So uh, he gets a neck injury and he's sidelined for three months. Comes back three months later with the Ada pills. Uh, fused with Jericho again for the Intercontinental title. And that's and all this other bullshit doesn't matter. Because this is when we start dealing with the X Factor. Oh, God. You're gonna buy me and I hate the fucking theme song by Uncle Cracker. You ain't gotta do me like that. You can have my mom. So X, X Factor was X Pac, Just Incredible, yep. and Albert. Yep. Yep. And uh, basically, it was basically uh, X Pac, Incredible uh, team together. 
and uh, Albert just stood around. Yeah, we need some bad guys to pl- uh, to perform on Velocity and Monday Night Heat. But much like Sunday Night Heat, fuck. Much like the fabulous Moolah, mm. X Pac united the light heavyweight championships of the WWF and WCW. Yes, he of course he did. Which they basically brought back the light heavyweight championship just to make him be able to do that. Yeah, just because we won again, which is bullshit. Yeah, just in case anyone was wondering, we're better than you. <laughs> but they put him over Jeff Hardy, which is like, they just, this is the time when they were just like, fuck you, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, this is the, this is again, Xbox entering his fifth wave of drug use. This is just Jeff Hardy's first. Yeah, and this is like, you can tell Xbox, you can tell Xbox, uh, this is the Xbox heat era too, where people are like, just fucking go away. <laughs> just fucking go away for a while. Because X-Pac was always, like, European title. Cru- like, yeah. And then once that kind of got abolished, Cruiserweight title, people were like, I just don't want to see X-Pac anymore. Like, he's a good dude, but just get him off my TV. He's so fine. he doesn't really do anything during the invasion angle. Um, no, he doesn't really do that much. He this- just has that Cruiserweight title. So he's like, you know, they're placating the fact that they're going to have a Cruiserweight division when they're clearly not. And then, uh, and then after the invasion angle, that's when X-Pac uh, becomes who he needs to be. Yeah, a drug addict. <laughs> no, he because br- the NWO, the NWO angle. Mm, that's the no. That's a that's a lot. He's X Factor, X Factor, actor. Then he finally joins the NWO. X Factor, and then they break up because the alliance starts because Credible joins, joins the NWO. Yeah, and uh, he yeah, but the then he just because everyone he loses takes, the title to Kidman. Yeah, and takes time off for an injury, and then comes back and joins the NWO. It's yeah, all- but it's crazy how like sick of X Pac I remember being. Like 1998, I couldn't get enough of the of the dude, and then literally a year or two later, I'm like, I if I never see this man again, I will be fucking pumped. I also miss the. F- I don't like the fact that they didn't let him use his catchphrase from the very early DX days, which was "Your ass is grass, and I'm gonna smoke you." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Your ass is grass. And we're gonna smoke it. <sighs> um, loved weed. That man loved weed. <laughs> still does. Guaranteed. Still does. NWO oh, angle. Sure. But again, when was the night in China? Was it? End, it was post NWO angle because it's here is where he gets fired. I always get confused in the timeline. You always get confused in the timeline of when he fucked China. A bunch. Well, he's fucking China throughout this period. I'm pretty 2004. sure. 2004. This is he's in TNA when he's uh, fucking China. So it's. All of this is, yeah, so NWO stuff. And they might be going out, but he's definitely, um, yeah, he's his, his relationship with China gets to the uh, let's release a sex tape point in 2004. So, yeah, so NWO stuff's 2002. Yep. NWO 2002, uh, he attacks uh, the, the Hogan to turn Hogan face yeah. and align himself with the NWO of him, Nash, and Hall. And Goldust and Booker T for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um,. But yeah, uh, he injures himself again. When Can I just say that Vince McMahon paid $3 million to make fun of the people that nearly bankrupted him? Yep. Like He's a petty man. It is obnoxious. He's a petty guy. I mean, I'm not going to be the first one to tell you Vince McMahon's very petty. All right. Well, Dylan, we have a bit of a problem because we have 10 minutes to cover X-Pac's TNA career. <laughs> Jesus goddamn Christ. How are we going to do it? Um, he did have some fucking great matches. He had some great matches, but this, Here's by the, the thing, way, this guy was wrestling for the last, the last, um, he's still wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And he's good at it, but he's, he's still very fucking good. He came back to Chikara as the one, two, three kid and won the tag titles with Marty Jannetty, uh, five years ago. And it was great. I mean, 
I, I'm going to say great, <laughs> but they can still move a bit. I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say in the tag team of Janetti and Sean Waltman, thank God Waltman was there, or that sad man who still wants to fight Sean. Ma- you know that Marty Janetti's somewhere in a bar right now being like, you want to know when it all went wrong? When I agreed to fucking go to a barber. <laughs> but it's like, oh, but here's the weird thing about this. Fuck Sean you, Waltman. Sean. Sean Waltman in 2002 at 30 years old is washed up in pro wrestling. Jesus fucking Christ. Because he's having matches with AJ Styles that no one will fucking ever remember that are good matches and no one will ever fucking remember these matches. He uh, he t- was brought in he was brought this in is TNA weekly pre uh pay-per-view. Yeah. During the sex entertainment extreme <laughs> or sports entertainment extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex. I fucking hate Vin- like Vince Russo. I think Jim Cornette is hilarious, but not a real person. But I'm absolutely on his side when it comes to the fucking Vince Russo debacle because he's just like this, that fucking cunt, that fucking cunt. <laughs> well, it's just two obviously different aspects of what you like about wrestling. Vince, Vinny. Vinny Rue liked the promos and he liked the backstage angles and Jim Cornette thinks wrestling should be one arm lock and then you tune next week. Vince to see Russo has turned. basically said now on his podcast that the reason why it's called TNA Wrestling is because he thought it would be funny because it's tits and ass yeah. and just pitched total nonstop action to Jerry Jarrett hoping they wouldn't do the anag- the um, uh, not anagram fucking yeah it's an anagram. The sure. initials. Yeah, he, they wouldn't do the initials, and they didn't. I don't know what those are called, and I always remember, look it up, and then forget. Yeah, it's in the initials. Uh, there you go, initials. TNA. It's embarrassing, Vince Russo. But Let's yeah, I agree. And he's loud. brought in, in and out, in and out. Eventually joins the like. We're now skipping all <laughs> in over. and out, in and out. We're still. Are we talking about a career one night in China? <laughs> China. Then there's another night in China, right? Yeah, me. <laughs> you fucked China. Yeah, I fucked China, and China pegs me, yeah. but she's dressed like me. So it's hit me, fucking me. It's good. It's called Double Dylan. You're much like a comedian I know that's gay that only has sex with men that look like him. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, who's that? I'm not going to say. Who, no, tell us. I'll tell you off the mic. I'm, all right, editing. Editing. I'll edit it in. No, I don't trust you. What was his name? Dylan God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It was Dylan God. Never. Never would be me. Sean Waltman, let's just sum up, is... No, I gotta talk about one. I want to talk about uh, some special things, just oh, some highlights of the last little bit. You want to talk about when he was on uh, Wrestling Underground or whatever that MTV Wrestling show was? Society X? Wrestling Society X. No, I want to talk about when he just wrestled. <laughs> he basically did a steel cage hardcore match with Raven because Jeff Hardy just didn't fucking show up to a TNA pay per view. <laughs> oh yeah. He just de- Jeff Hardy no showed, and they're like, get in there, Waltman. Which is like essentially the amount of times these this this company still employs Jeff Hardy and he's still in their biggest angle and he's just straight up no showed so many times. Here's the other thing that's crazy: Jeff Hardy is probably part of the assets that whoever buys TNA in the coming days will be excited to have. Oh yeah, because we are we are yeah ahead of time. By this point, someone has bought TNA. Yeah, and Jeff Hardy is like. They're rubbing their hands together uh, like, maybe this fat guy who blew uh, up a bunch of meth Allow labs me to elaborate. Stuff. The WWF has bought TNA and is just going to put the tape library on the network. Yeah, probably. But also, something occurs to me. When Jeff Hardy and Sean Waltman were in that feud uh, around the invasion to era, um, how pumped do you think each of them were to have 
talk about the ins and outs of a meth lab. They probably, well, like Jeff was probably like, Oh, hi, Sean. I was wondering if you wanted to uh, do some meth. And, uh, I already fucking injected it. Because in the two thousand and so 2002 to 2005 is when he's living with Steve Blackman. Steve Blackman goes to a fight camp, comes back after like five days, and Sean Waltman had injected so much meth that he hadn't moved from the place he was stood for five days <laughs> what so much so that's not a, a real thing that's a real thing he tells the story and he and he ruined his cowboy boots because his feet became so swollen oh, they burst through oh. the sides of it in uh you know his first marriage ended because and this is a quote direct quote um they divorced in 2002 uh this lady named terry they have two children and uh his quote on the <laughs> Uh, he attributed the divorce to their newfound crystal meth habit. He said, she ran with it. I kept it under control. Well, yeah, that's basically what he says about every woman in his life, which is like, yeah, me and uh, me and Joni took a lot of pills, and she was not really good at continuing to work when she'd taken 11 fucking Percodan. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, uh, but basically the, entire, the entirety of his... Um, the entirety of his career is make a fucking huge mistake with a lady bailed out by a member of the clique make a fucking huge mistake with a lady bailed out by a member of the clique well he apparently overdosed so badly that triple h came to his house and just drove him to rehab and that was the last time triple h and china saw each other and that's how he like put it together that they were fucking apparently who uh triple h put it together because he like went to xbox house because he was like he got a call that he'd just gotten home from an like a massive overdose and nearly died, knocked on the door, and fucking there's beef cl- clit McGillicuddy, like, oh, hey, Paul. Beef clit McGillicuddy. What? You're a grown man. Yeah. And you've made love to women, John. No. I only make hate. We are not virgins and we have sex a lot, okay? Right. We're, um, when I was a virgin, probably when I was one. What's your favorite thing about Sean Waltman? Other than the fact that he lost his virginity fucking probably like 13 years after I did because I had sex when I was one. <laughs> um, I really liked his spin kicks. I still think he... He threw a fucking cool sidekick. He does a fucking great spin kick and still does a... Put those kicks together? Goddamn. Fucking love it. I Overall, here's my thoughts on Sean Wallman. That man with Triple H's... I'll just be sober my entire life. He would be Shawn Michaels. No. Yes. No. He didn't have the natural charisma. I think he does. He had he had what I will say Sasha you... Banks has, which is he has a lot of in-ring charisma. He had a lot of in-ring charisma both as the 123 kid and as 6. He kind of lost it as X-Pac because he was kind of like they it se- it seemed like they wanted him to play like a really energetic character. Like he was really good at playing like an energetic heel character, but he wasn't good at playing anything outside of like a 90s babyface sympathy machine yeah as a babyface so when the, when he became as a heel he was great because he was like this little rat sniveling shit but as a face it was just like who's this why am i cheering for this annoying guy like why am i cheering for the guy who's gonna wait till my girlfriend falls asleep and try and rub her underpants mm. yeah why am i cheering for the guy who definitely has used the phrase garage and jack off in a sentence <laughs> Like, if they would have just let him be like, if they would have just let him, it sounds weird, but if they would have probably just let him run with the weed thing, like, what's my character? I don't know, man. Let's hang out. 
I like weed and karate. Like, everyone wants to hang out with the weed and karate guy. I would have guy. loved to see a feud between The Godfather and X-Pac over who has better weed. <laughs> <laughs> a Godfather X-Pac team, though, where it's just like, God, Godfather's like, you sure you want none of these hoes? And then he's like, nah, man, I'm too high. Did Here's you know? question. How many interracial tag what teams What did they say there? was an inside job before 9-11? The Montreal Screwjob. Yo, man, Brett knew about it. Wait a minute. Sleeping. How many interracial tag teams are there? I cannot think of one where it's a black guy and a white guy. What? I mean, we're missing this. Uh, Goldust and Booker T. <laughs> like, yeah. Goldberg and Goldust being related? Ooh. I'm trying to think. Uh, do you count? Oh, I guess. Do you count The Rock? The Rock and uh, Mankind? Yeah, I think the Rock the, and any of his ki- of the people. I guess that's Junkyard the, Dog and Dick Murdoch. But that was like a big idea. That was yeah. like a big. Sorry, that was the idea. We're like, look at these black guy, this white guy get along. Isn't that fucking crazy? And we all that's know crazy, the, right? And we all know one of them definitely doesn't get along with the other one, but likes money because he wants to give beer <laughs> to his kids. Uh, Orlando Jordan and Sheldon Benjamin Charlie Haas. That's Char- one. Sheldon Benjamin Charlie Haas. Orlando Jordan and uh, no, actually no, because that was the Bashams were in that. Yeah, um, we're in the cabinet. I don't know. We'll have to fucking think about that one. There's but we got so three. few. Yeah, but there's so many. There's so few black dudes in pro wrestling. Oh fuck, Elix Skepper and Christopher Daniels in sports entertainment and extreme. extreme. Oh yeah, buddy. Oh yeah, and then Elix Skipper, Low Kai, and someone else. Uh, when they were fucking... Um, it's low-key, you fucking dolt. No, it's not. Okay. No, uh, guys, it's um, low-key. All right, so what's your, your favorite thing about uh, Xbox was his spin kicks. Uh, also, Team Canada, when Elix Skipper was in it, and the funny thing was, like, he's not Canadian. There's no black guys in Canada. <laughs> Even though there is. Um, Can I just be serious for a second? Do you want to know how they got a... Uh, reference to... Uh, that my, my favorite thing is... The right, we're ruining great. this for the Landstorm episode. Do you want to know how they turn Landstorm face? I think they just put him with a girl. Yeah. But specifically, they were like, we fucked last night and he's got a big dick. (laughs) And that was how they turned him face. Landstorm's got a fat dick. Was that in ECW? That was in WCW. Because in ECW, it was also implied that that's why Don Marie was with him is because he had a big dick. <laughs> Maybe he has a big dick. Well, that was the thing. He, he definitely does. No one is that quietly calm serial killer without a yep. fat hog, which oh, is why man, I'm so I'm calm. excited for a Lane Storm episode that's coming up in pro- when we remember about this probably a year now. Um, so my favorite thing about Sean Waltman is obviously his in-ring, uh, his influential in-ring style in that he's the first guy to just fucking... Not first guy, but first guy. I mean, I remember. And uh, if you if you remember something other than this, I'm a 30-year-old man. Uh, if, if there was someone before, please correct me. But the first guy to do a fucking moonsault in the WWF ring and really bring the cruiserweight style to, to bear. I think Michaels did a moonsault before yeah, uh, Waltman, m- Someone say. must have done a moonsault before. Yeah, Michaels did a moonsault before Waltman, but the first like cruiserweight-style wrestler like that. Like a really, like, now cruiserweight style. Like so the you guy were, was, like, 200. They listed him at 212, which means he was probably, like, 190. So you're admitting that you're wrong. I'm saying I want our fans of our show to tweet me. They're... Peenies and their VGs. Can I, by the way, just say, 
Everyone who's making the Twitter comments, great. My personal favorite one is two virgins talking about wrestling badly or whatever the fuck it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, worst thing about Sean Waldman? I already got mine. His methamphetamine habit? I'm going to say his personal life is so horribly distracting where you're just like, oh, God, you're poor children. I'll pick a new one then. Every his Christ- promos. Every Christmas, this is what happens at the Waltman children Christmas uh, Christmas morning. Okay. Where are our gifts? Oh, that's just dad asleep under the tree because he thinks it's his bed. Or just a giant thing of weed he's now trying to smoke. Oh, they've lit the Christmas tree on fire. <laughs> dad, that's not a pipe. Dad, that's not a pipe. It is. It is. I want to pipe you. His promos were like really garbage. His promos, I mean, it was just like he just fucking yelled. Like he stopped really trying to do promos and just started screaming when he was, because he was so used to being in factions. Like once he joined the NWO, he was really in a faction until... Like he was six years of being in a faction, NWO. He still is in a faction. They're, DX. Not, they're not letting him walk out to the ring if he's not in DX or with the NWO. Exactly. He doesn't get his own shine. So he learned to be the guy who's like, all right, you say something for two seconds because um, these six foot men need to slowly let words drip out of their fucking mouth. Can we also? So that was this thing where it's like these six foot dudes taking their time. So he his role was to come in and be like. I'm having a match with this guy, European title, blah, blah, blah. And he would do it so quickly that that was his role and that really detracted from... Because then once he got to X Factor and he had to be the dude, he just had no fucking idea how to do it. That's why it was such a shit stable. Also, I just want to point flag this up and then we're going to end this episode. There is a massive hypocrisy in the fact that... Sean Walton... Hypocrisy? A hypocrisy. Because Sean Walton is still allowed on WWF TV. Yeah. Even though he was also in the fuck flick with China. I always think that's so But bizarre. it's just his dick. It's her face. No, you see him at the beginning looking at the map and being like, oh. Uh, there was a beginning? Yeah. Wait a minute. Revolution. You didn't watch just one second of that and then turn away disgusted? You oh. were like, let's see what the storyline is. Because I, I downloaded it off of, I believe it was LimeWire, so it was the full vid. Oh, my God. And I started watching it. I was like, oh, this is awkward. And then I turned it off. <laughs> Wait, Dylan has to pee. Guys, this has been the rest of the review. My name is Dylan no, Gott. No, all right, no, just one sec. So basically what it was, I downloaded it off LimeWire. I began watching it. It had a whole intro thing of him walking around China like, ooh, this is some stuff. There's the wall. And then he's what's clearly in an apartment in California having sad sex with a drug addict with a restructured chin. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Hastings. Dylan Gott currently is getting piss out of his fucking dick right now. We are the rest of the review. You are great Albany, New York race of hell make a little noise first things first I got a little something something I gotta get off my chest right now couldn't cut the mustard well Hulk Hogan you suck pal (laughs) so I don't think you have any room to talk about anybody cutting any kind of mustard and Hulk I got I got some more advice for you 
You better not stop short or Eric Bischoff will go so far up your ass, he'll know what you had for breakfast. And now on to important matters at hand. I'm sitting at home with my mind on my money, on my money, on my mind. And I get a call from one of my best friends in my entire life, Triple H. And he says, DX needs your help. Well, damn it, Triple H. Anytime you ever need anything from me, pal, you got it. And I got something else to say. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall would be standing right here with us. If they weren't being held hostage by World Championship Wrestling. And that's a fact, Eric Bischoff. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Things are getting out of hand here. I, you agree with that too, JR? Where's your DX t-shirt? So the way I see it right now, this is a new beginning for D-Generation X, and we're here to rip ass on the World Wrestling Federation.